Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Tidewad Tech, Episode 72, The Myth of Obsolescence, recorded November 7th, 2011, and brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementopie.com. Uh, this week, we're going to have a discussion uh, about something that's been sort of stuck in my craw for, oh, I don't know, 50 years or so, um, and I'm only 40, uh, 39 <laughs> even. But it's just, anyway, we'll get into that. But we're going to talk about the fact that we overuse and misuse the word obsolete. Uh, but before we get that, that far, we've got our usual uh, warm-up sort of stuff we want to talk about. And Sean, um, uh, something that he has mentioned on the Taiwan Teacher episode, uh, wants to talk to us about Mighty Bell. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait, that um, was it, Steve Hargadon. That's right. Yeah, that's where he would well, talk about that. Yeah, we've actually had uh we've we've mentioned it on both shows. And uh of course Steve Hargadon and uh he he my understanding of it is more of a partnership, so he's teamed up with Mighty Bell. Um but uh I didn't really even know this. I don't remember him mentioning it at all, but apparently they had like a one dollar fee to create their quote unquote experience. And uh, the experience was it, you have to go and do it, but it's really kind of a neat, unique way to sort of uh, go through this uh, a, a process of uh, learning about something or uh, Steve Hargadon's experience was about learning how to uh, create professional learning networks and create your professional presence out there on the web and things like that. And so you went through all of these steps and it was a really neat process. And uh, so very cool. I thought as I was going through it, how neat it would be to use it in a classroom environment so that you could actually have students go through an experience to learn uh, just about anything. Uh, so, you know, a $1 fee obviously is not that much. I mean, it's really not bad at all, but uh, they've dropped that $1 fee. So uh, if you haven't checked out Mighty Bell already, uh, you definitely need to go check it out now because uh, if, you know, if it's something that intrigues you, you can go ahead and start up one of those experiences and it's not going to cost you anything. Why, why do you think there was a dollar to begin with? <sighs> Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's such a nominal fee that all I can think of is maybe they're just trying to maybe offset their bandwidth costs, things like that. I mean, it's not really enough to make any money. Yeah. Maybe it was a, one of those age verification things. If you have, you got a credit card and can pay a dollar, then maybe you're going to be serious about it. Right, and, right. An anti-spamming tech, because spammers won't even spend a dollar, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, that that's, you're probably right there. Um, but they've dropped it, so. Okay. Um. You know, uh, we like Steve and the things that he does. So, uh, hey, go check it out. And, uh, you know, even if it's not something you'll use, you certainly probably know a teacher somewhere that might be interested. So uh, pass it along. I wanted to make mention uh, a couple of episodes back, maybe a month or so ago, we uh, sort of paid tribute to Andy Rooney with our If I Were King of the Internet episode. Uh, he had just left uh, 60 Minutes. And he, like Steve Jobs, left and then promptly died uh, just yesterday uh, or maybe the day before yesterday, uh, depending on when you listen to this. Uh, Andy <laughs> Rooney has died at the age of 92. Um, he had some complications of surgery is what it said. So uh, Godspeed, Andy Rooney. Uh, I hope where you're going now, you won't have so much to complain about. <laughs> yeah uh i actually had a listener contact me uh saying that uh i thought you guys announced that andy rooney died a couple of weeks ago 
And I said, wow, we'd be really good if we were able to do that. <laughs> but uh, no, we, it was just uh, two or three weeks ago. Of course, whenever it was that he actually retired, we mentioned that, that he was retiring. He did his last uh, his last little uh clip or whatever whatever you call it he didn't really do a whole show and that's a man so. if you're into television history at all he is as much a part of his television history as you can get i mean he he started when television when radio became television he was there uh right he's uh not just an on-screen guy but a, a writer and a director and a producer and and um i don't know that how active he's been lately but his presence uh made television in some way what it is so we wanted to give him props for that well you know and i i like to think about guys like that it, it's it's sad because we we seem to be losing them left and right you know paul harvey what was it the last year that paul harvey died too no it wasn't a few too, years hasn't been too long though but uh you know guys like that that just have such a unique way of viewing the world and expressing it you know and uh it's sad to watch those guys go so yeah Definitely uh, Godspeed, Andy Rooney. I saw a uh, a guy I follow on Twitter who calls himself Bad Banana. Um, he's a comedian, and he tweeted, I'm going to mess this up, but it was something to the effect of that Andy Rooney, Andy Rooney was sent to the hospital complaining of chest pains and email viruses and the cost of taxis <laughs> and Starbucks. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> he was the complainer in chief. <laughs> hey, as of today, as of like, Two hours ago, we have a Google Plus brand page. Uh, yeah, Opie can now be found on Google Plus. I'm loving this because when I pulled up the show notes, that was the first that I I heard of that. <laughs> and uh, uh, so one, it got me going because you know it was kind of weird. I didn't hear the news, and this is one that we've actually been waiting on. Right. Um, so I guess Google has kind of opened that up now. Is that right, Mark? I mean, right. tell me about it. Just hours ago, uh, they made the the API uh, was announced. I think uh, nine a.m. this morning, our time, and then uh, then it wasn't even available uh, at, for a while. But literally, I, I checked like three p.m. my time today, and the the my account wasn't able to create a page then i checked again at about 7 p.m my time and i could so i created the element op page and right now there's nothing there um but and i don't know what will be there i don't know how we're going to use google plus but we're there now we 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 are among the first ever brand pages that's uh within the first few hours of it becoming available we were there well, me being the uh, the early adopter, I'm loving that. Yes. So, um, <laughs> and it, it's pretty easy. It's easier than setting up a Facebook page. Uh, but it, the interface is a bit confusing. And I was kind of talking to myself about this. I do that. It's okay. I generally agree with myself. Uh, <laughs> but I was, I was thinking it's kind of complicated to do. And it's not something that the everyday person can. I mean, I'm... I'm sort of their target audience, right? I'm I'm uh, an early adopter, I'm a proto geek, and I'm a media person, so sort of. Uh, and it took me several minutes to figure out how once I created a page, how to get back to it to edit it. And I thought, well, if, right. I, if I can't, if it's going to take me that time, Grandma's never going to do it. But then again, this isn't a service for Grandma. I am the people who are going to be doing that. So maybe it's not so bad that it's a little obtuse. Well, sure, uh, you know, or even even uh, you know, people like 
Uh, I mean, now that's a job, right? I mean, it's funny. That's one of those professions that didn't exist like two years ago is uh, social media specialists and and managers and whatnot. So, uh, you know, those people are going to be able to get in and they'll be able to figure it out. And it may be a little clunky, but uh, they'll make it work. Uh, I'm kind of curious. Did you get a feel, Mark, for how you go about because it's a marketing tool right i mean did you get a feel for that like how you go out and get your name out there or how you spread the word it's pretty much it's just google plus there's nothing different you have circles and you can add people to circles people can add your page now to a circle um and you can but i mean the, the interface is pretty much exactly the same as the google plus you now know and love but now you can be a brand and that wasn't an option before awesome Awesome. So there's, you know, like Pepsi and, and those guys have already staked their claim and, and now so is Element Opie. Great. Well, the, you know, the uh, the contact us portion of the show, I mean, eventually that's going to take up like 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah. And they have a, uh, a Google Plus button uh, that you can put on your your website, like a, like a Facebook like. And I, I looked into that, but it was more coding that I wanted to hack on uh, at the moment. I figure I'd give it a week. And somebody will build a Drupal module that'll do that for me, and then I'll just yeah, add sure. it right in. Oh, what what awesome. I'm concerned about right now, though, is the lack of uh, app support. You know, it's not on Hootsuite or TweetDeck or anything. Right now, you've got to go to Google Plus to do it. And I don't know if that's because they haven't released the API or if they don't plan to or, or what the story is there. Well, last I checked on that, because that was a little frustrating for me, I, I, I use Hootsuite and I actually pay for the premium version uh, for Element OP. I mean, it's it's something that, you know, is very convenient to be able to manage that space. And uh, last I checked, they didn't have the API open and that's why Hootsuite hadn't added it into its service. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that because um, I, I basically have to make multiple posts and uh, that's part of the reason you want Hootsuite or a similar product. Right. So. Yeah. Oh, wow. We've got to copy and paste now. Yeah. Yeah. I know. You know, my fingers get tired. <laughs> I actually think it's bad form to post the same content on every network. I think you should have unique content for each network as much as possible. Now, obviously, when we do a show, the post is recording Taiwan Tech Episode 72, The Myth of Obsolescence. There's not really too many ways you can change that. Right. Um, but I don't like it when I follow somebody on Twitter and have them as a friend on Facebook and uh, have them in a circle in Google Plus and I get the same information three times. Yeah, that's a, that is a tough one to manage. I mean, you're right there, Mark. Um, and it's just the kind of, it's the spot we're in, you know, and I think a lot of people find their, you know, especially entities, they find themselves in that, in that situation. Um, but, you know, I'm okay with if somebody is following like Element OP, uh, you know, choose your flavor, you know, choose the flavor that you like and just, you know, follow us there. Um, because, yeah, that's going to happen. I know personally when I post that kind of stuff, I really kind of keep my audiences segregated. So there's not a lot of crossover. But uh, I will say there is a lot more crossover between Twitter and Google+. Plus. Um, those are more of a professional uh, platform for me that where I, I keep my professional networks and uh, I, I probably do get a lot of crossover there. All right. Uh, I find lately, I, maybe you can, uh, we can compare notes there. My engagement as in the, the level activ- of activity in my Google plus streams has dropped off 
dramatically in the last six weeks or so. Are you seeing that as well? Yeah, I am. And it's a little disappointing because I, I think it's people kind of seeming to migrate back away from it and maybe back over to really, I think Google Plus and Twitter are the two that really compete head to head against each other. And, um, yeah, it's a little disappointing because I really like Google Plus and uh, I follow a ton of people on there. So my stream is usually, you know, it stays pretty full and fresh and I get a lot of good information off of there. But uh, I don't think that other people are working it the same way I do. Um, I went in from the very beginning and of course I grabbed my followers and they were pretty much people that I knew from Twitter. But then I immediately started digging into those people's circles and adding people from their circles into, into my, into my own. So they weren't even people that I knew, but I knew that they were in this person's educate educator circle. So I would probably want to follow them too. And I quickly racked up like 600 people. And uh, if you're dealing with those numbers, you're going to get some really neat people and you're going to get turned on to people that you never would have before. Uh, But that took some work. I mean, that took a couple of hours of, you know, really digging and getting all of that together. So I don't think that's something that everybody's going to do, you know, and, you know, maybe if Google made that a little bit more, uh, I don't know, maybe autonomous where it just happened on its own. Uh, you know, I don't want that. I don't want Google deciding who I like. Well, no, but you know, uh, it, Facebook does the same thing, right? It makes suggestions at least. Well, you know, Google it goes, has their suggestions, and and they generally yeah. tend to be pretty accurate. But yeah, I don't, I don't think automating that is ever going to be a good idea. Well, you know, I mean, I, I would like to see something where it was like this person's circle. You know, this they have this circle of because I, I'll I'll add it, any person's like circle of educators well they just recently added the ability to share circles so uh if somebody is proactive about sharing their circle they can do that yeah but i'd like to see that that come across as a suggestion you know so so and so has this circle of educators and we noticed that you have educators as a circle maybe you'd be interested i don't know something like that maybe um either way yeah it, it takes it takes a little bit more work than I think maybe people were willing to do. So, you know, they went in and added a few people, and, but it's a game of numbers. And uh, I think if you go into Google Plus and you just add 20 people and it's the same 20 people that you knew from Twitter, uh, you're not really getting I the agree. full benefit. I agree. So. So anyway, yeah. uh, wanted to mention one more thing before we moved on. We kind of waxed rhapsodic about Google Plus there a bit. Uh, but I wanted to mention a. Did I mention it on this show already, Sean? Well, I don't I think don't you remember. did. La- I, last week, I think that was the thing. Is when we got done recording, you you were disappointed because you forgot to mention this. Yeah, okay, so that's, I remember that's why I threw it, it in there. I remember mentioning it on the like I was record streaming, but yeah, it was probably after the show. Uh, yeah. It was supposed to have already happened, but hasn't. It, <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, um, we're yeah. starting a new show. Uh, on the uh, Element OP network. And if you go to the website, uh, there's already a placeholder there for it. And the idea is that we have about uh, 10 or 11 hosts now. Um, That number is in flux. I'm not really sure where we are right now. Um, In the network. And they're all interesting people, and they're witty, and they're intelligent. And that's why we tap them to do shows. Uh, But we tend to hear from them only in a very specific area. Like, you hear from me here on this show, and then maybe... 
on one uh the one meal one workout show or maybe uh element uh everyday linux you know i'm probably the one who's on the most i'm on three different shows if you right. choose to listen to me but the idea is I, I like to get these guys together and just talk about stuff other than what their shows are about so the idea is we're every saturday afternoon at five o'clock central time we're going to get together online and uh no more than five people but you know three to five people we're going to get all the hosts of the show together and we're going to have the sports guys and the tech guys and the fitness guys all sitting down together and just talking about whatever comes up and i've told told him that there there nothing is off limits you know from from religion to politics to sex to to uh you know anything anything you want to talk about go ahead and and i'm right. going to go one step farther no editing um, yeah, I, I be, like that. It's going to be live to tape, so to speak. Uh, so <laughs> now, you know, if uh, Eric from the Hot Route drops an F-bomb, I'll go in there and beep that out. Uh, I pick on him because yeah. he's the one who's most likely to do that. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you should hear him uh, before we hit the record <laughs> button. <laughs> but uh, uh, other than other than things like that, I don't want the explicit tag in iTunes, but... Um, you know, if somebody goofs up and says something stupid or uh, just makes a total ass of himself, I'm going to leave it there. It's going to be a live show. It's going to have that live feel. And I really think it'll be a lot of fun and really exciting if we can ever get these dang people together. Right. So you were supposed to record last week and that fell through and, and that may be what happens, but I'm hoping, you know, like I said, there's 10 people that can do this and it's going to be a rotating panel. I'll be on it or Sean will be on it and sometimes both of us, but it, we will be the two anchors. Right. Um and we probably won't both be on it very often. So it'll be it'll be one of us plus two or three or four other people uh from our other networks and maybe if they bring on you know they want to bring on a guest or or you know a listener wants to call up on Skype or something we could probably do that too. Sure. Uh, but we'll just talk about whatever and I really think it's going to be a lot of fun. And so I've come up with a perfect name for it too. You ready? Wait for it. <laughs> Element OP it's every week. It's the periodic table, but a bunch. <laughs> That's the name of the show, the periodic table. And so look for that coming soon. Hopefully, uh, it will be released uh, one week from today. November 14 is when I hope to release that show. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, we'll uh, record the first one this Saturday. And I, right. I think with the people we have lined up for that one, uh, we ought to be able to make it happen. Right. And the uh, the RSS feed is already live. If you want to go subscribe to it, it's not in iTunes yet. iTunes won't publish something until there's already content. So you have to actually have a show or two, then pub uh, submit it for publication. But if you have an, a, a non-iPhone device and you want to subscribe to it, you can go ahead and subscribe to the RSS feed and you'll get it um, as soon as it comes out. Or even better, are we going to stream that one, Mark? Yes, we will stream that. Yeah, so there you go. You can listen in live, too, and listen to the live show live. Right. 5 p.m. Central Time <laughs> um, uh, here on this, you know, on this station, on this network. Uh, yeah. com slash live dash stream, or just go to the website and click the live bu- listen live button um, and check it out. I think it'll be interesting. All right. So, so let's Sean, talk about, uh, yeah, obsolescence. What does obsolete right? mean? Uh, my hair more and more every day. <laughs> I, I think I am a student of and passionate about 
words and about communication. And it bothers me when words are co-opted, when they come to mean other things. And mm-hmm. obsolete has, in the modern era, come to mean not shiny anymore. But let me go back to Webster, the, the, the American English standard of what words are. Obsolete means no longer in use or useful. That's, that's 1A. 1B is a kind or a style no longer current. So B has supplanted A. If it's no longer current, we consider it obsolete. We consider it no longer useful. And that frustrates me, particularly from the, the Taiwan mindset. There is a difference between current and useful, and that difference can be eight years. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, or six months. Well, it, you know, it can be, but what, what things are not useful after six months? I mean, in tech, um, like, let's just get, well, give that gets right at the heart of who we are. Though. Exactly. Exactly. For example, my refrigerator is 13 years old, still keeps food cold, but you know, uh, uh, Whirlpool would have me believe it's obsolete and I should go get a new one because that's how they make their money. Right. My truck sure. is, uh, five years old and has almost a hundred thousand miles on it still gets me where I want to go. Dodge would like me to go buy a new one though. So they're trying to convince me that it's obsolete, but these things don't stick. Most people don't buy a new car every year. Nobody buys a new refrigerator every year, but I know people who buy a phone or a computer every six months, right? Particularly Apple users. I mean, how many Apple users out there have the iPhone the iPhone 3G, the iPhone 3GS, the iPhone 4, the iPhone 4S. And that, how many, de- I just named five devices in four years. And I know there are people out there who have all, all of those. Oh, yeah. I mean, they can't wait, right? They go stand in line at midnight. To pay, a, you know, $500 for the privilege. What right. got me started on this is uh, Google uh, Android Ice Cream Sandwich is coming out in the near future. And Google has post- posted a list of things that will get it and things that won't get it. My Nexus One that I got in so much trouble for talking about about a year and a half ago on this thing, (laughs) okay, that I paid $600 for a year and a half ago, has a gigahertz processor. All right, this this phone is faster than a lot of netbooks still on the market. They say it's obsolete and won't get ice cream sandwich. That makes me nuts. It's not obsolete. It still makes phone calls. It still runs app. There is not a single app on the market right now that it can't run right but they're they're calling it obsolete why because they want me to buy a new phone sure absolutely i saw an interesting graph about that it was it was uh and it was one that was kind of interesting and mark you could probably maybe shed some light on this but it, it basically showed like uh all of the ios uh versions and how uh those they've maintained support for those over over time oh yes the the ever popular infographic i did see that very one and did did you see that one i mean but you know to me i was looking at it i was like well that kind of looks accurate and it's kind of eye-opening because you do get to see that really because they can support all of those uh all of those devices because they know that iphone users are going to go buy the latest greatest anyway right but then you see on the Android side, and it, you know it goes back more to the carriers, I think, than anything. But how how quickly those uh, those devices degrade in uh, you know what their support is, and you know keeping those things up to date. 
Right. And the and the carriers, you know, there's there's the manufacturers, there's HTC and Samsung and and those guys. And then there's the carriers, there's Sprint and AT&T and T-Mobile. They have different methodologies. Sprint may intentionally block an update because it will make people go buy a new phone. Whereas right. HTC may have that update ready, but Sprint won't allow it to go on their network. Right. Um but when but taking this back to the Taiwan tech thing and and the the uh uh education angle and and where where it affects me is I know a lot of schools that have replacement policies. And it's written in stone, you will keep a a desktop 3 years, you will keep a laptop 5 years and then they will be scrapped. Is that at your school is do you know what the policy is there? Yeah, I, I don't know the exact number of years, but I do know that uh, we're going through that process right now. We're we're just uh, we just finished up doing a desktop inventory, and uh, it is for exactly that purpose. We we have a certain model number that we've had for X amount of years, and we're getting ready to phase those out, even though they work. And uh, so we needed to find out how many we had and exactly where they were because that's the next thing on our list. We're going to get rid of them. Well, let's say a three-year cycle, because that's not uncommon. I've seen three to five often, okay? So let's say a three-year cycle on desktop hardware. Okay, this is 2011. The desktop that you bought in 2008 would have had what specs? Uh, It would have had at least a dual-core, maybe a quad-core processor. Right. It would have had between two and four gigs of RAM. It would have had a 300-gig hard drive, most likely. Uh, a gigabit network card probably came with a 17-inch flat panel monitor. A hunk of junk. Yeah. So tell me what that thing can't do. <laughs> why, why is that obsolete? What can it do? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, I run this show on laptops older than that, <laughs> with with way less specs than that. <laughs> Well, no. what kills what kills me is that, and uh, I'm sure there's a lot of districts out there that do that. But this stuff literally, uh, you know, goes away. I mean, I know for us, we auction the stuff off. So I, I mean, we are recouping some of that money, I guess, but uh, not. You know, we're really not getting paid for it. You know, as much as what I think the the usefulness that still exists there is, you know, that we're not getting the true value of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, um, let's talk about some fringe cases. Okay. So, uh, at my school recently, we, we teach a, uh, a video editing class and the teacher, uh, wanted the newest version of Adobe premiere, uh, which is now now Adobe creative suite. And the right. version we had was like 11 years old. I, I, totally didn't argue with getting her something new but this new thing uh, what drove it was we moved to windows 7 and premiere does not the old version did not does not work on windows 7 so we had to get the new version the newest version the latest and greatest must have a 64-bit processor um so we had to buy the newest and then downgrade to the next step down because all of our processors are 32-bit so right that are they crap now? All right, so let's just throw them all away because they're not 64-bit, and the latest and greatest is 64-bit. But what needs 64-bit other than maybe video editing? 
And let's, think, let's talk about what students actually do with computers. They open up a browser of choice, and they stay there. Right. <laughs> they may open uh, a, a Word, uh, an Office document, Word processor, or spreadsheet alongside that. Usually not. But everything they do is in the browser. Do we really need 64-bit uh, um, terabyte hard drives with 8 gigs of RAM for web browsing? I, I say no. Well, and especially during times like this, I mean, now every school across the land, I mean, it seems like is feeling the crunch, right? Even the rich schools, they're not as rich as they were a few years ago, right? So, um, you know, you pair that with, like you said, everything is moving towards the cloud. And I mean, that's a big push in education, right? Move it to the cloud. And there's all these different cloud resources and cool websites and everything else. And so you see them spending more and more time in the classroom on you know in a browser uh, then yeah i mean you're right mark uh what do you need i mean if you're on a dual core machine i mean you can still have you know you can have 30 tabs open in your browser and that machine's still going to be working just fine right you can do anything now and let's talk about ipads that that everybody is rushing to put into schools and then later we'll figure out how to use them um, <laughs> so you know probably six months to to 18 months somewhere in that time range the ipad 3 is going to come out are all these new iPads, are they now obsolete? We got to chuck those. That $35,000 cart of iPads, we chuck that and get another one because they're obsolete? Well, I can tell you uh, one thing that I'm seeing, which is really kind of interesting, is, you know, uh, the iPod Touches were uh, really big just a few years ago. And it was, let's get these in the classroom and let's get and You know, I, we have them at my district. We've got the iPod touch carts and, um, you know, teachers can check those out for their classrooms and stuff like that. But those already, as the iPads are coming in, those are starting to gather dust. And so it's, it's kind of interesting to see that. I mean, here's these devices that, you know, they still do what they did two years ago. They, they're still just as effective as they were two years ago. Uh, but now they're going to start to collect dust. Yeah, I had this argument when I first started the job I, I have now, back in 1997. I put out a bid for some computers, and one of the school board members at the, the meeting where I went asking for the approval of it said, why are you buying obsolete computers? And it was because I wasn't getting the latest and greatest, what at that point would be like 150 megahertz uh, processor, you know. Uh, and he said, I was buying obsolete computers. And, and 15 years later, that word still bugs me when people say obsolete. We don't even know what it means anymore. Does it get the job done? Yes. Okay. If the answer is yes, it's not obsolete. If the answer is no, then you either modify it or you dispose of it. Now, we have old technology that can't meet modern requirements. They can't even run a modern browser. So we make those thin clients, and we repurpose them. And now they're still doing a job and still doing it well, just in a different way. Yeah, and they're not obsolete. They're not obsolete. They still do the job. When, you know, and I get people all the time, all the time, that weekly, will call me up and say, do you have any old computers that you're throwing away? My grandson, nephew, aunt, niece, whatever, wants a new computer, and they'll take anything as long as it works. And my answer is, by the time I'm getting rid of it, it doesn't work. I mean, if yeah. I'm throwing something away, it probably won't even power on. Right. Or it'll take 30 minutes to boot up, and 
you know, forget about opening a web browser. Right. Now, <laughs> now what are the downsides of my way of doing things? Um, the, they're certainly not the shiny. I will not be known as the guy who provides the cutting edge technology because I don't. And, and so if you're a school, maybe a private school, for example, where that's a, a, a point of sale for you and that is what gets people in the door, maybe this, maybe you have to be a chaser of the new and the shiny. But I think most of us, particularly those of us, of us in the public school sector, not only can't, shouldn't do that, but can't do that. Right. What are, you, what are your thoughts on that? Don't let me ramble the whole time. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, yeah, I, for me, it's just, it's, it's funny because uh, you kind of get the other side of the argument from us is somewhat hypocritical because they will talk about, um, they're quick to complain about technology and, you know, uh, that it's not about the technology. It's about teaching the, the subjects and the, you know, the core curriculum and all that. And the technology is just a tool. Well, if that's the case, then why do you have to have the latest greatest? You really don't. If it's just a tool, then you just, you need the tool that gets the job done. You know, if you're a mechanic, you don't need bright, shiny wrenches with diamonds inside of them. <laughs> exactly. You know, you, you need the tool that, that will turn the nut, you know? <laughs> and uh, so it's kind of funny because I hear from the, the pure educational side, you know, not really the tech side, but the educators, they'll make both of those arguments and, and they're counter to each other. So you can't make both of those arguments. So, yeah, my, my friend, Jen Wagner, look for her on Twitter. Uh, Jen Wagner at Jen Wagner or projects by Jen.com uh, recently posted a, um, and I call her my friend, even though I've never met her, but we're Twitter friends uh, recently posted something about projectors. She was talking about how she loves what you can do with an LCD projector, but she hates what most people do with an LCD projector. And uh, you know, if you've got a PowerPoint slide and you have copied and pasted text from the textbook and put it on your slide, what she called that, and I love her turn of phrase, is boring them bigger. You have just made it bigger now. It's exactly the same thing, the same methodology, but now it's bigger. So I kind of like uh, death by PowerPoint. Right. Well, yeah, exactly that. Uh, uh, Steve Jobs famously said that uh, somebody who knows what he's talking about doesn't need PowerPoint. Um, and there's something to be said for that. You know, you have it's nice to have visual cues. It's nice to have an extra level of of reinforcement. But it's not about the technology. You can just simply be boring them bigger. So I think a lot of our computers, when we rush out to buy faster ones, we are simply um, um, wasting more resources, right? We're, we're still, we didn't tap the uh, full processing potential of that 1.4 gigahertz processor. And now we have a 3.2 gigahertz processor that we're still not tapping 1.4 gigahertz worth of processing out of. Yeah, that <laughs> was that uh, was a lot of rambling. Now, I I mean I agree, and it, it's it's just funny, but um, you know, I, I another thing that strikes me is when you see that though is you'll see a lot of uh, there's a lot of ego in that, right? You know, we haven't really touched on that yet, but I know everybody out there listening has talked to somebody like that that is boastful about you know, the, the technology they have and, you know, how powerful it is and it's the latest, greatest and everything else. And they're talking about it with a, a sense of pride. And I guess if you have that stuff, certainly you could be proud of it. But 
you know, whenever I hear things like that, all I think of is, wow, for that one device, you could have given two students a, 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 an effective device. You know, I mean, right. you could have you could have achieved uh, achieved twice the coverage uh, much like we did there where you're at mark so and those um, are those are icing devices right it's like the the soccer mom who drives her hummer to the grocery store once a week if she has everything she needs and just has extra money laying around sure buy a hummer right and if every kid in your school has everything they could possibly want and you have a you're at a one to one situation. Plus they have uh, laptops. Plus they have you know whatever else. Yeah, buy them apples. Buy them iPads. Go to, go to town if you just got extra money to spend. But when you're cash strapped and making uh, poor uh, or making making budget decisions, uh, don't make poor budget decisions based on rich thinking. Right. But but I, again, I want to turn around and and take techs like us to task well that was a tongue twister take text to task um <laughs> and say that we we too uh will sometimes declare things obsolete that aren't necessarily technology for example how many times sean in the recent past have you read textbooks are dead textbooks yes. are obsolete textbooks are the past i'm sorry every kid at my school right now is carrying a textbook at least one Textbooks yeah. are not dead. Textbooks are very much alive and well. Maybe we'd like them to be dead. Maybe in an ideal world, we'd like to uh, to replace them with something else. But declaring it so does not make it so. Yeah, th there's a lot. And that's a great example, Mark, because that's that's something that there's still a lot of things that have to fall in place before that, you know, can become a reality. So, you know, maybe 20 years from now. Maybe less than that. Ten years from now, I could see that being a reality, but um, you know, maybe not ever fully. I mean, you know, are you going to be able to uh, give every kid across the nation a, a Kindle or a Nook or you know? Yeah, I think we're in that. Um, I've probably used this analogy before, but we're in that interesting time, like in when television first came about. The early television shows were radio shows with cameras. They still did the exact same thing they had always done. They, there were three guys in suits standing around a mic, reading a script, holding the script in front of them and reading it, only now there was a camera in front of them. Um, I think that's where we are right now. We have these new technologies. We have iPads, but the things that we put on them, on them are just PDF versions of printed materials. So it's like the, the television show that's the radio show. Our, our e-books, quote-unquote, are not e-books. They're simply the books that we already have delivered on a different medium. Yeah. You know, uh, when you, you, when you say that it really, it conjures up visions of me of like a, a three dimensional book, uh, you know, like a, an ebook, but it, it, it sort of operates in three dimensions where now you not only have the text, the normal text, but it's all, you, you can drill down into any part of it, you know? And so it, the, that will have depth to it. And then that's really kind of exciting, right? Because then kids can go in and all of that material really comes more alive to them. And they can, you know, if something, if they're learning about the Amazon rainforest, well, if, if something, some special animal or something really interests them, they can drill down into that and get more information. And of course the web works very much that way, but if the textbook could do that and it would be authoritative and, you know, it would all be good information, that would be really neat. 
Yeah, but simply repackaging the old does not make it new. No, no, I agree. Uh, another thing, the whiteboards. You know, I've heard people say, "Let's do everything with our new interactive whiteboards, our smart boards." We don't know need those old things. We don't need dry erase markers anymore. We have our smart thing that can track a pen or whatever. Okay, but are you just boring them bigger? To quote Jen, are you doing the exact same thing, but now with a new technology or paper? Well, How many times people have said we're going to be paperless? Crap! Computers create more paper than they save. <laughs> right. Well, I want to go back to the whiteboard thing because uh, I've got to tell you, that's another area where uh, it's funny. People will use technologies, but they use them and it's actually kind of wasteful. It actually costs more money. So a whiteboard is amazingly cheap, right? I mean, you've got that upfront cost and and then after that, what do you got to do? You got to buy some dry erase markers every now and then. But, uh, you know, the beauty of it is you can write something on there and leave it up there for two weeks. Yeah, leave it up there for years. <laughs> right, you know, away. but there, there's times, and of course you see teachers will use them and, you know, anything that they want to stay up there, you know, maybe it's a, a plan for the semester or uh, whatever it is, you know, that gives them the capability of leaving that stuff up there. And that's something that you can't do with a, a smart board because uh, although I do see people do it, uh, it kills me. Uh, projector bulbs are expensive and, you know, you see projectors on constantly all the time. Um, even when they're really not being used. Yeah, you're right. So so that's not looking for the new ways to use the new technology. It's repackaging the old technique. Now, and on the one hand, I praise that, right? When, if you, when I talk about me repackaging old computers and getting more life out of them, that's a good thing. But if you're repackaging old techniques, that's a bad thing. So you got to walk the line of obsolescence. It works both ways. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What I wish we could come up with is a good way for, you know, this technology, you know, if it's going to be obsolete to repurpose it, you know, I mean, how many people out there, like you said, they've got four cell phones sitting in a drawer somewhere. They're and they're still perfectly good. They work, they charge, the battery charges on them. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, schools that are, uh, just ditching what they deem as obsolete technology, and it's you know it's going to a trash bin somewhere. Um, so you know that's my uh, big kumbaya moment, I guess, because uh, it'll probably never happen. But it's it's really sad, you know, when you work in technology, you get a chance to see how much waste goes on there. Yeah, well, we uh, our friend Rose, who was on the show uh, a while back, that's what she does. She takes people's junk. You know, takes trash and turns them into treasures. And, uh, you know, when you say that, the phone thing, not only do I have phones, I have smartphones. I have three or four smartphones laying in drawers where I've upgraded. And then you go back to the dumb phones. I've got probably 12 of those uh, just laying around that I've upgraded over the years. You know, I've got, I go all the way back, all the way back to the brick with the big rubber antenna. I've still got that thing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that'd be interesting you know just to fire that thing up <laughs> something i wrote here in the notes and, and it, maybe it's the uh, my last uh word on the subject is that obsolescence is the providence of the wealthy the wealthy can afford to obsolete things the poor cannot so if you're poor stop acting like you're wealthy and maybe if you're wealthy it's time to start acting like you're poor i like it so that's like my it. that's my soapbox 
here endeth the lesson. And you wrote, I love this, top 10 list of obsolete technologies? What's yeah, yeah, yeah. So here it is. I, I thought this would be a fun way to kind of end the, or wrap this up is Sean's top 10 list of obsolete technology. And then I, I add to that or things made obsolete by technology. So uh, first off, I'm going to start off with uh, getting a busy signal. You remember that, Mark? Yeah, I do. And it's so <laughs> bizarre when that actually it's still rare now, every now and then happens. And I'm like, wait a minute. What, what's the deal? Here? <laughs> right, right. Well, and, saw- that, you know. I saw used to be a, commonplace. Uh, a thing a while back. It was about brain development and, and how uh, the younger kids today have sped up. Their, their brains have physically, chemically sped up, and they use the, the dial thing. Like, so if you call somebody, Sean, how many times do you let it ring before you decide they're not going to answer? Uh, probably three or four, four maybe. Right, because most yeah. voicemail picks up after four. But we, we've been programmed to that. My mom would call somebody and let it ring 15 times because there was no voicemail, there was no answering machine, and that might be out in the backyard. You just got to let it ring long enough for them to come in from the garden, wash their hands, right. get to the one room in the house that has the phone, and pick it up. Well, they did some some kids, and it was two rings. If they didn't pick up after the first ring, on the second ring, they hung up. Yeah, because you don't want to get voicemail. Right. So you just hang up on after the first ring, that's it. It was like 15 seconds, and, and they were done. All right, so what's next on your top 10 list? Are we going, is this number nine or is this number two? No, that's, uh, yeah, I guess I should count up, right? So that was number 10. Okay. Uh, So uh, number nine, uh, going on a blind date. (laughs) (laughs) Unless your date is physically blind. (laughs) Right. I mean, it just doesn't hardly happens anymore, right? I mean, uh, that that entire realm has moved to the web and, uh, you know, so there's that, or even even if somebody you know you got a friend or something that's playing matchmaker, uh, what are they going to do? They're going to point you to that person's Facebook, or you or know, show you the picture they have on their phone or something. Right, right. So uh, really, no such thing as a blind date anymore. You're going to get some sort of a feeling for what that person's like before you even meet them. Uh, let's see, number eight, paying for long distance. Yeah, uh, let me let me tag one onto that. Pay phones. When was the last time you saw a payphone? Right. <laughs> when was the last time you put a, a quarter into a phone to make a call? Yeah, or had, did you ever do this, Mark? You know, you're out and about somewhere, and of course, this is before uh, cell phones, but you really needed to get a call from somebody. So you would give them, like, the local payphone somewhere right. because you weren't at home, and you're like, well, there's this payphone here, and you would literally get them that phone number, and then you'd have to sit there by the payphone and wait Hang for it. Hang around it all day, yeah. Right. <laughs> now, most people have a phone, if not two phones. Like, if you got 100 people in the room, there's going to be 112 phones. Right. Because <laughs> you got your work phone and your personal phone. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Number seven, uh, shooting and waiting for Polaroids to develop. <laughs> Blowing on them and shaking them? Yeah, shaking them. And that was kind of fun, though, right? It was like there was a present there. You know, it was gonna, it was gonna come out. You know, you were just waiting to see what it, what it was. So yeah, and and if it didn't work, you all had to go back and line back up in front of the 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 giant sequoia and do the picture again. <laughs> right. <laughs> or even worse, how about those flash bulbs? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the little squares that yeah, turn around. Right. <laughs> wow. That's, I had back when I was a kid. Uh, like the Polaroid land camera. I don't know if you remember that, but it came with these little uh, chemicals like markers that you had to rub on the picture. 
They didn't oh, really? self-develop. You had to you had to had to rub the chemical on it to develop it. Huh. Nope, never saw that one. Wow. All right, so let's see here. Uh, six. Uh, changing the tape on your answering machine. <laughs> and this is because now you changed that tape because you you had received so many messages and retaped over the old messages so many times that you wore that tape out. Yeah, right? wore it. Out. How many times have you worn out? You know, a CD or an MP3. <laughs> right. <laughs> or, or yeah, that's. I remember having to get those little little tape. Well, I remember the big tapes. We had one that had two tapes. It was yeah. the, the outgoing tape and the incoming tape. And you had the two full-size, like, 90-minute cassette tapes. Right. And you had one on one side and the other, uh, uh, you know, one on the right, one on the left. And then I remember the big deal when I got one that was just one tape. And it would rewind itself and play the greeting and then fast forward to where the next uh, blank spot was. And, and that was a big deal. Well, and then you were you were really cool when the the ones with the mini cassettes came out. If you had one of those, you were you were high tech. Yeah, and then the digital so. ones, and and now we have an answering machine that never gets used because we have voicemail on our phone, right? That we never listen to. Exactly. <laughs> but that's why we got caller ID, so we don't have to answer the phone. Well, yeah, and you know it's funny. I can't talk my mom out of this, uh, out of leaving messages for me. And she's the only person that does it because anybody who calls me has learned this about me. Don't leave me a message. I saw that you tried to call me because I have a call history and I will call you back as soon as I possibly can. And isn't that what most of those messages are anyways? Hey, it's me. Call me back. Yeah. And what's so, funny is I'll leave you a message. I just need to relay some information. Then you'll call me back and I'm like, didn't you listen to my message? I already told you what I needed to tell you. Like, nope. <laughs> Mark, I know you're going to love this one. Uh, number five, mixtapes. Mixtapes. How very friends of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that brought back some good memories. I remember, uh, I mean, because you took, it, you would spend hours putting these things together, right? Yeah, that was that was early pri piracy. You know, that was yeah. uh, DMCA at its best. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, in school, right? I mean, that was the cool thing to do. You, you'd trade these tapes, and you had a cool mixtape, and you'd trade it with somebody else, and they had a cool mixtape. Yeah, so uh, that, that took me back. Uh, and I, I know this one's going to be special and near and dear to your heart as well there, Mark. Uh, calculator watches. How did you know I had one of those? <laughs> I just knew it. You know? Mine had a thermometer in it. It could tell the temperature. <laughs> I bet it did. I bet it did. <laughs> we, you know those cheesy fundraiser things that you do where if you sell like $100,000 worth of product, you get a chiclet? Um, uh-huh. I did that. It was a band fundraiser, <laughs> and I sold my corpulent butt off to get a, a watch with a calculator on it i was out there 12 hours a day all during spring break i was i literally this is not an old grandfather story i was literally trudging through the snow to sell things to people so i could get that watch and then you sat around all day long and, and did yeah. math hey ask on me your what watch, six right? times nine is ask me go ahead yeah. <laughs> you know what the temperature is in totally here i can tell you I could totally see that about you. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, number three, stand-up video games. Yes. The the classic console arcade. Well, the original console. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I mean, you know, you'd go, you'd have to, one, you'd have to go to an, an arcade, right? right? And wait and your turn. Yeah. Wait your turn. You put and your little quarter up on the thing so they knew that you were waiting. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you'd have to line up your quarters and like, nope, that quarter's my quarter. Right. And nobody <laughs> argued with you. 
Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, you'd go to the arcade, and it'd be this huge room, and it'd have like 20 games inside of it. I don't know about you, but in my, my where I went, there was always a little Asian guy kicking everybody's butt, and he got to play like 10 hours on his one quarter, and the rest yeah. of us just kept lining up and giving him quarters. <laughs> uh, number two. Fax machines. Fax machines need to go away. They still are yes. around. Yeah, I, I got. It. I put this one in here because if you're listening and you have a fax machine anywhere in your organization, it needs to be blown up. Yes. How many times recently, recently, have you gotten some form that says, fill this out and fax it back? Right. Why? Why do I have to fax it back? What's up with that? Yeah, I mean, you know, if you're listening to this and you don't know this, there are so many services out there now. I mean, you can you can make an electronic image of something and and email it. I mean, that's a very simple way to not have to fax something. I mean, who doesn't have email now? Um, but there's also online fax services. So, I mean, if you really have to go, you know, and, and be unusual about it you could do something like that but a fax machine there's just no need for a fax machine anymore i'm going to give you a free tip of the week cam scanner ah. cam scanner is an app that works on android and iphone and maybe even blackberry devices you you put whatever you want to scan into it you take a picture of it it turns it into a pdf and you can then email that pdf or upload it to dropbox or your google docs or whatever that's my fax machine anybody some Sometime, anytime somebody says they need something faxed, I ask for an email address and then use Cam Scanner, snap the picture, and go there. Free app. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome stuff. So, yeah, if you've got a fax machine, you need to find a way to get rid of it. Now, um, just recently, I mean, before you left our school, the coaches at the, were coming to us for like the 50th time saying, we need a phone line out in our field house school so we can run a fax machine, right? So, yeah. they still wanted that. And we were like, you know, there's so many better ways to do that. And plus, where they were physically located, we can't get a phone line out there. That's the way it was. So we had a, well, a, a VoIP line out there um, that you could still use, but you had to press 9 first to dial out, and they couldn't handle that. Yeah, that was like monkeys trying to do algebra. <laughs> so, <laughs> I could say that now. I'm not there anymore. Not there anymore. <laughs> Uh, and another one that killed me is just shortly before I left there, they said they had a problem with the fax machine in the office at the high school. And uh, could I take a look at it? And I walk in there and they had a brand new fax machine. Right. They had just gone and bought one new one. Yeah. I, I just couldn't, I couldn't believe it. Uh, it should be something that you should not even be able to buy anymore. <laughs> That's right. So, you should have to special order that and pay a premium right. for it. Right. Yeah. You know, they're like, what are you buying this for a museum? No, no, you can actually use it. <laughs> so, uh, and number one, drum roll, please. That was a uh, drum roll. Yeah, that was. That's all right. We are cheap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, giving someone your undivided attention during a face-to-face -face social interaction. I'm sorry. What did you say? <laughs> I'm, I'm checking my phone. I'm Hold tweeting. on. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, that's that's obsolete. I, I think we're uh, seeing the last days of that. I saw a great little comic recently. It was uh, uh, a bride and groom at the altar, and the priest, uh, preacher, whatever, says, I now pronounce you man and wife. You may update your status uh, messages, and they pull out their phones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I am so guilty of that. I, I get out of the bed in the morning, and I go take a shower, 
when I'm out of the shower, the first thing I do is pick up my phone. I check Twitter and Google Plus and Facebook and email. And that's first thing. I mean, first I take care of the basic necessities. And then the next thing I do is check my electronic uh, statuses. Wow. Yeah, I see. I, me, not so much. I check my email. I will say that. Um, and I saw something, uh, some stat somewhere. I can't even remember where it came from. And I'm probably misquoting it. But it, it was some outrageous number, like 70% of people check their Facebook status before even getting out of bed. Yeah, I think I'm ahead of the curve because I get out of bed before I do it. (laughs) Right. So, yeah. I was talking to somebody the other day about chargers. um, And I've got, in in our bedroom, there's two phone chargers, one on either side of the bed, one for me and one for my wife. There's one in the living room. There's one in our kitchen. Each of us have one in the car, and then I have one at the office. That's that just goes to show you what how important our phones are to us. We want to make sure there's electricity everywhere we go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, and uh, here's a bonus one. Toilet paper. Did I catch you off guard there? He doesn't know how to use the stones? Is it? The, the three shells. Three shells, that's what it was. <laughs> Took me you second. had it, though. You were right there. You were right there with me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so there's my top ten. <laughs> 11 if you count that last one yeah. so moving right along we took it was a serious topic i thought it was turned it turned the, the wrong way but that's okay oh speaking of turning the wrong way if you have never listened to the everyday linux show um, again on our website you can you don't even have to subscribe to subscribe to these things you can just go to the website and click play the one that comes out the day uh, the day before this comes out so by the time you're listening to this go to our go website back. And listening to go go listen to Everyday Linux because it was a show that we had a topic and we never even got to it. And we just went totally off the rails and I think it was probably our most interesting discussion yet. So go <laughs> listen to Everyday Linux this week. Yeah, it's funny how it works out that way. That's why I think the periodic table is going to be so interesting because we have a lot of really great personalities. Right. So when we get some cross-pollination going there, it, I think we're going to have some interesting uh, discussions to right. be sure. Especially and, when it's like no holds barred. Right, exactly. You know, you know, it'll it'll be a little slow at first because we'll all be too polite. Well, I won't be, uh, but other guests <laughs> will be too polite. But once we get to know each other a little bit and sort of let the the chips fall, I think it'll be interesting. Of course, we don't have any uh, shrinking wallflowers in our group at all. No, no. So moving point. on to the tips of the week. Uh, this is a, a more of a shout out than a tip, uh, Professor Messer was in our chat room a couple of weeks ago, and Professor Messer has uh, a website, professormesser.com, where he has all sorts of free online trainings for CompTIA or A-plus certifications, anything you would need. Uh, literally, you watch his videos, and you can go pass the test and get a certification. Uh, this is stuff that, that people charge money for. He doesn't. He has uh, tons of videos up there, and they're all high-quality videos or uh, MP3s if you just need the audio. Um, and, and you can download them, and it's all free, professormesser.com. Their link will be there. And uh, so thanks, Professor, for your great work, and uh, we will um, hopefully drive some people your way. Honestly, I don't know what he does to make money for that. I assume that there are other things that are non-free, but everything I've seen yeah. on his website is free. And Yeah, maybe he has some sort of freemium something going on there, something that he sells. But, yeah, I mean, you're right. All the content that you see there, you can just access it. It's awesome. It's got uh, A plus training, Net plus training, Security plus, uh, Microsoft training, anything you want there, all right there on the website for free. ProfessorMesser.com. 
All right. Well, uh, I'll jump in here with the teacher tip. And the teacher tip of the week is slimekids.com slash games. Uh, I was going to just make it slimekids.com, but uh, really the game side of this is the, is the best part of the of the site. Uh, the rest of the site, it, it would interest teachers out there certainly, but you know they've got some book trailers and some search engines and things like that. So uh, the other stuff's good too, but the game portion of the site is really neat. Uh, it, it's really geared towards, I want to say, probably... I don't know. Are you looking at it, Mark? Uh-huh. I, I, what do you think? Maybe like uh, third through fifth grade? Yeah, maybe? definitely. Definitely uh, elementary, uh, upper elementary. Yeah, uh, but a lot of just great games, spelling games, typing games, vocabulary games. Uh, so uh, they're all, you know, flash-based games, grammar games. Uh, but they're they're kind of fun. So I was playing around with some of these, and they're just like a lot of those flash games. They're kind of a, somewhat addictive, but uh, at the same time, you know, you can see where you're going to be learning, uh, you know, how to spell or uh, you know, uh, work on grammar or or whatever. So uh, go check it out. I think uh, if you're a teacher in this age range, your kids are going to love it, and uh, so you give them a chance to to play and learn at the same time. So slimekids.com/games. I'm looking at one right now called Keyman, and it's Pac-Man, but you have to type keys on the keyboard in the right order to to move him around so like right now to move him left i have to hit b but as soon as i hit b that changes to something else so it's it's typing it's teaching typing but without teaching typing right very very cool yeah these games they do they're they're really uh, well designed and they have a knack for making it feel like a game and not so much like you're learning so um you know that's uh a lot of educators would push that, you know, engagement, right? Engagement's a, a big word. Uh, and these certainly have that and, uh, uh, they're well designed and they're fun to play. So cool. All right. So if you want to find out more about uh, other great tips, uh, Sean updates all of our tips of the week on a forum post on our website uh, every Weekly. week. Immediately <laughs> after this show, he'll go do that. He'll bring it up, so it'll be up to the minute, even before the show comes out. Uh, right. If I have, yeah, it's like that. It's like that uh, commercial. Right, that was so like 14 seconds ago. That's right, and so yeah. you can find that at our website at elementopi.com. <laughs> find all of our tips there, and also find uh, about our other shows. If you you can again subscribe to the periodic table and be one of the first to sign up for that, or listen to uh, Everyday Linux, or listen to the Taiwan Teacher, or listen to One Meal One Workout. Check out uh, our other stuff there, elementopi.com. You can also find us uh, online at our various social networks that we mentioned earlier twitter.com slash element op facebook.com slash element op and now google plus simply type element op in the search bar and you'll find our page there or if you want to talk to us i mean literally talk to us give us a phone call at 559-IMOP-OPIE and um we will uh play that on the show so you can tell us about something here's a good one what is your favorite thing that has been obsoleted by technology that didn't make sean's top 10 list oh that would be good so send us those and we'll play them back as we get them and we'll all laugh about it together now unless you're a 19 year old (laughs) listener and then you won't get any of what we just said yeah oh yeah yeah i I, i'm sure if you're uh oh if you're less under 30 probably most of what i said was pointless i mean i I can just just see some kid calling him go remember halo 3 (laughs) that was funny (laughs) 
Right. <laughs> uh, I did want to jump in and give a, a, a shout out or point people in the direction of the Tightwad teacher. Uh, they have a new co-host, Brian Brueger, joining that show, and uh, they got rid of the old hack that, that they used to have. It's about freaking time. That's all I can yeah. say. Yeah. So, <laughs> so check it out. That show has changed if you haven't listened to it in a while. Uh, uh, those guys, uh, John Mikulski and Brian Brueger, they get along real well and uh, both passionate educators, and they... Uh, they talk every week about doing creative things in the classroom. So, um, yeah, check it out at elementob.com. And our goal is to have the host with the weirdest names possible. Uh, Mikulski, yeah. Bruger, Keibel, Cockrell. Uh, that's yeah. our goal. <laughs> yeah, right. we, have, we have some other ones in there, too, I think, somewhere. I don't know. Yeah, well, we, have, we do have Zach Hill. I mean, that's, that's pretty vanilla. Right, and Butler and Sullivan, but I was just going to leave those out. <laughs> Sean, what do you think of this show? I think this is a great show. I enjoyed it. I hope it was great for the rest of you, too. And so, without any further ado, I will say this is Mark signing off. And Sean signing off.